Alright, well, welcome to this episode of Clinically Pressed. We are out at Mayo Clinic Health System in Alaska talking with one of the original hosts. Uh, oh, back again, yeah, uh, Dr. Andrew Jagum. We've got one of our ambassadors out here, Austin Fitzpatrick, who I'm sure will say all kinds of things during this talk. Uh, but anyway, we are gearing up for a youth sports safety symposium coming up in lacrosse on october 12th so if you're in the area keep an eye out for that for um, some links to attend and whatnot and a youth sports day at the uwl football game and so in conjunction with that we are gonna have a series of podcasts this being the first one um just talking about some of the generals of youth sports safety and what we see from different angles. So today we're talking sports nutrition, especially for the youth athlete. So with that, I guess the first question is, is like, what is, what do you see sports nutrition being for especially a youth athlete? Is it as confusing as it potentially could be? Yeah, I think people make it more complicated than it needs to be. But anytime we talk about nutrition for an, an athlete, we really have to kind of go above and beyond just some basic nutritional recommendations because they really have advanced dietary needs because of their advanced levels of activity, some of their different performance-related goals that they may have. So they just have different demands being placed on their bodies compared to someone who's not as active or not an athlete at all. And then we can even take that one step further when we look at at a young athlete who is also growing and developing. They're going through kind of rapid uh, changes to their body and to their physiology. So they also sometimes have some advanced nutritional needs. And again, when you combine that with their being an athlete, we really just have to make sure we're paying attention and, and kind of refueling their bodies to meet the demands of their sport, but then also the demands of just a, a young growing individual in general. Cause I know we, working with a older population in college we shed some light a couple of years ago especially to our football team that by no means were they eating enough for what they were trying to accomplish and so i have to imagine probably not maybe not to the same extent you know when you look at like a 12 year old or you know a 13 14 year old versus a 20 year old depending on the size of the person, obviously, it might not be as high, but, I mean, we had guys under eating by 1,500 calories for what they were trying to do, and for a growing body, and the stress you alluded to, it has to be significant. I yeah, it, it's it's a pretty similar trend where athletes just tend to undereat based on what their level of activity would kind of dictate. So I think the first step is finding out what that number is, so just kind of educating that athlete themselves on hey this is generally how much you should be eating and then kind of dive into some of the specifics of okay now well what types of foods do we need to eat to make sure we're kind of providing them with the right nutrients uh, even at the right time per se to just help promote optimal growth and development but then also optimal performance um, and, and I, I think the next step then becomes logistical challenges so when you're working with collegiate athletes what kinds of things can they make in the dorm room? How to navigate the dining centers and the cafeterias? Uh, how to buy healthy foods on a cheap budget? So, mm -hmm. again, knowledge is one thing, but then logistically, how can we accomplish some of those nutritional goals? And so with the high school and middle school age, you have similar types of logistical challenges. They're just a little bit different. So with a young athlete in school, it's, 
I have breakfast and then I don't get lunch again till noon and then as soon as classes are done at three I'm off to practice don't get home to eat dinner until seven so there's huge we were definitely a seven thirty eight o'clock dinner family. yeah and, and there's huge gaps in the day where they may not have access to food each school has their own rules about snacks and, and bringing food and things like that so it's finding almost creative ways to be as planned and organized as you can so that Again, knowing they need to eat is one thing, but helping facilitate that is a whole nother challenge. So how can we have some pre-made snacks made up for that athlete to bring to school, have on their way from class to practice, or um, you know, even as simple as just grabbing something after practice on your way home until dinner is made an hour later and, right. and things like that. So, um, And if we even go one step further again with that young athlete, we can't just educate the athlete. We have to educate the parents because they're the ones generally buying the groceries and helping make meals and just planning that stuff out in advance. So it really will take kind of a team effort at that level of informing the athlete what they need, coming up with ideas and solutions for them to overcome some of those logistical hurdles and then educating the parents then on here's how you can all work together to try to come up with a good plan for that athlete. So we've, we've done an episode on how to eat like an athlete. Um, we weren't talking about this population necessarily um, as we're targeting more youth in this conversation. And I know you gave kind of general recommendations when you come to your you know, carbs, fats, and proteins. Does that shift in your mind? Because I know with at least some of our older athletes, you know, I, I steal this from you all the time, um, if you're going to overeat on anything, you know, generally let it be protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the effects that it can have in maintaining muscle and helping build muscle and you know repairing the whole thing and you know, not necessarily get bigger, but just to recover from what you're doing and then just with it being a little bit more metabolically demanding in terms of your body's use of it, it's for the everyday individual who may or may not be working out that hard anymore can it, you know be beneficial for you there. Do you, is there a difference that you see with young athletes or do some of the general recommendations still apply slash just yeah. making sure you're getting enough which ultimately seems to be the theme yep i think that general rule could still apply but then again the younger you go with kids it's almost you're facing a whole nother level of challenges of kids just well, i don't like that i'm, mm-hmm. so I'm not going to eat it <laughs> right, or right i don't like fruits and vegetables so i'm not going to eat that i'd rather have chips and a capri sun and stuff so it's it's I think more so just trying to swap out some of the bad stuff for better options, I think, are the battles that you pick at at the younger level, especially fifth, sixth grade, things like that. So it's just having healthier snack options available, uh, just ready to go for them, and then trying to get creative on finding, you know, protein source, carbohydrate source, and fat source that meets their, their goals, but then they're actually going to eat it right and you can get them to do it because otherwise there's no point in even trying so instead of just hitting a gas station or a convenience store on the way home or on the way to practice it's having uh, granola yogurt pb and j you know stuff made up ahead of time so they can have a, a healthier just option that's better suited for their needs instead of yeah just picking up whatever they can find at a gas station and not always going to be the best option Unfortunately. No. Especially if I live around some of the certain gas stations. Um, 
going to semi-throw you kind of on the spot. So part of this symposium is coming around the idea of, you know, AAU, summer things, one practice to the next, just constantly going um, where you're maybe putting six hours worth of practice in a row and then getting up to do it all over again. In hindsight, in high school, I did the same thing. and Guilty. Yep, everybody, and thankfully, never got hurt um, personally and just inhaled food. Um, but say you've got a weekend tournament, and you know you're going to be playing four to six, whatever games that it might be. You mentioned a couple of specific things. Do you have any, you know, that would be healthier options? What other alternatives are like, even like the timing of that? What, what would you see to be, or like recommendations you'd have? First one would be making sure, you know, that athletes eating a good breakfast to start the day, especially with tournaments, you know, starting it off right. And that can be a lot of different breakfast foods would, would kind of work in that scenario because you're just going to need a lot of energy to get mm-hmm. you through three or four, let's say, basketball games throughout that day. So, you know, any kind of eggs, omelet, and stuff like that, having pancakes on the side, oatmeal, fruit, yogurt. Peanut butter toast. Yeah, I mean, yeah. add it all on at, at breakfast at that point, and then I think it'll come down to some preparation then and, and making up a, maybe a couple sandwiches or having leftovers from the night before, bring a cooler with to the game and to the tournament. You, I always kind of hate this. You get funny looks in that situation, but it's way better for you to do those kinds of things than grabbing a hot dog and a slice of pizza <laughs> before your next game. Because yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's what happens. That's no, what I'm stuck with. You know, like, I don't know how many tournaments I went to, and that's what I ate. You grab two slices of pizza and a Gatorade. and felt and you, amazing. Yeah, you were off to the next game, which is you know absolutely just terrible for what you would need in that moment. So if you can be prepared and have those things packed up in a cooler... I think you'll be much better off and certainly feel better, perform better. If you got a, a second round of the tournament the next day, you know, mm-hmm. fueling is even more important because you have to recover from the Saturday round of games to get ready for Sunday's game. So ig- nutrition can certainly not be ignored in that type of a window. But, well, you know, lots of different options like I kind of listed, whether it's yogurt's a good one, cheese sticks, you know, some of those, I hate to say just Lunchables, but that concept where yeah, there's, there's some of uh, those like P3 things that are out now. Yeah, they're getting get a, lot a lot of that. Yeah, yep. just some different options. Right, and so they have, you know, if you look at a lot of those, they have a good source of protein, a good source of fats and, and carbohydrates. So, again, that... You know, that all you granola bars fruit. Yeah. are created the same, but there are some good ones out there that could be highly beneficial. Yep, and that industry as well i think is improving for the better if you look at rx bars and large oh, yeah. bars you know those are much better options than the chewy granola bars that we grew up with that you know probably not the best thing to consume so the more you can choose those kinds of options i think the better than again the alternative of hot dogs and chips and a pop at a, right a concession stand because that's just never really going to be your best option so more for just the generals of it like i know some people I've heard other dietitians, you know, there's no such thing as a bad food necessarily, but there's better options, which you've referenced multiple times. What makes the difference? You know, the chewy, probably overly simplified, and I'll let you run with this, versus like the RX bar, like what, what's the difference and why would one seemingly be a 
better option. Yeah, that when all things considered, they kind of look the same. Right. I, I think an easy one to... Or another example that you've got. No, I would say an easy way to kind of differentiate from some of the, you know, poor choices versus better ones. Fried foods are just an easy one to kind of toss into the probably not your best option, especially back to our scenario of a tournament. You know, fried foods are really, really high in fat. That's going to kind of sit in your stomach. It's going to digest really slowly. And not necessarily the good types of fats. Yeah. and Most so, likely. Yeah, when you're trying to recover from a game or get ready for another one, those are some of the worst options that you could go with. So pizza, um, burgers, fries, chicken nuggets even, you know, those things aren't really the best in that type of setting or, you know, really anytime on a consistent basis, you wouldn't really want to opt for those very frequently. And then when we get into, you know, granola bars and packaged foods and things like that, I think lesser quality granola bars are ones that are going to have a lot longer ingredient list is one easy that's, way that's to kind of That's the I was going to reference as you were going there. Yeah. Good from bad. You know, if you Can look you at... Can you pronounce what the thing is? Yeah. You know, and if it has a bunch of um, vegetable oils in it, soy, you know, just all kinds of food additives and ingredients that you don't really even know what it is compared to if you look at an RX bar, it's like dates, eggs... It's like uh, five nuts. or six ingredients yeah. or something. Um, and so most of them are higher quality food options and yeah, four or five ingredients blended together. Most of them taste pretty good. Um, yeah. So I think those simple choices are easy ways to decipher whether or not it's a good or bad food option at the time, for lack of better terms. You know, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I don't think any food's bad. It's just there's better options at right. that time. Yeah, because even like a simple thing that has a simple ingredient list may not be your best option, but it isn't going to be the worst thing if you don't crush it in quantity. You yeah. Know, it's all that moderation thing. Yep. Having it occasionally is fine, but you know, if that's your after school snack every single day, you know, then there's a problem. You could probably find better, better options for you. So that's kind of how I address it. Anything else on the food side? Cause I got one more. I think for young athletes, the most important things are eating a good breakfast because you're probably going to go long periods of time in that day without food. So making sure you're making that meal count, trying to eat as frequently as you can, even though, again, there's logistical challenges there. So being prepared will certainly help ahead of time. And then I think for young athletes, also hydration is a big area that kind of flies under the radar a lot. Yeah, that's where I was going to And go. it's just tough because you're in the classroom a lot. So if you don't have a water bottle with you, you may not get a lot of opportunities for water breaks. So just trying to stay hydrated as best you can or, or just all simple fixes that can really go a long way with helping you perform better and feel better. Yeah, we have that conversation all the time. And I've heard some different things on it now, but kind of the general for the longest time was like a 2% decrease in hydration can be up to a 10% decrease in performance. Some people have looked at that differently and mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a direct line to it, but it can, the bottom line is something as simple, seemingly simple as hydration can really have an effect on how you're performing, how your body's reacting to things. That's obviously it plays into the heat in the summer, um, and your ability to cool, um, yeah, there's just so many things that go in there. Yeah, and you, you know, if you look at right now, we're still at a fairly hot, humid time of the year. Or at least it can be. On certain <laughs> it's supposed days. to be, yeah, but not, it hasn't, which not is as much just lately. fine. But if you're 
going the entire school day in a fairly dehydrated state and starting that practice right. to dehydrate, that's when it's going to be an issue. Um, because you're, you know, if we look at when that practice is going to start, you're definitely going to become dehydrated during practice, which is kind of expected, but you just wouldn't want to already start in that state because then it'll really take a toll. Along with hydration, where do you feel that sports drinks play a role? Um, I've gone back and forth on this with a lot of people and myself personally, but what are your thoughts? Because obviously they taste good mm -hmm. and they can taste really good in the moment. Yeah. Um, I don't know, thoughts, practical recommendations on it? I think they're probably overused uh, quite a bit at the youth level. Um, you know, I don't know how many basketball tournaments I've been to and seen a little fourth grader with a 32 ounce, you know, Gatorade. It's like, holy, you know, that's a lot, yeah, of, that's a lot of sugar that you probably don't really need. Um, but it, it's not as simple as never really drink them either. So anytime, you know, basketball tournaments, so, it, you know, Gatorade is not a bad option in that scenario that that little of an athlete just doesn't need that much right. is what I'm saying. So a Gatorade throughout the day would be a great option because those sports drinks have good source of fluids, they have good source of electrolytes, and a good source of carbohydrates, all things that you're going to need kind of throughout a day as you're sweating, as you're exercising. Um, so you need to replenish all those different uh, fluids and, and nutrient sources. So there's nothing inherently wrong with those, just you don't need to drink them all day long or huge quantities. So of it could them. be a recovery post game or even kind of during the game, but then switching over to water so you can still get some more whole food sources in, yep. which are in theory going to help you sustain that energy a little bit longer as your body breaks it down and helps you out throughout the day. Yep, exactly. A anything kind of some hard, easy rules, anything less than an hour generally for activity levels is you don't really need to do the sports strength. So okay. just water for a practice and things like that are generally enough, but beyond that, or if it's you know, unusually hot and humid out where you're losing more fluids and electrolytes, then, you know, sports drinks are good options for those. And then certainly as you get into the multiple games in a day scenario, then, yeah, one or two Gatorades throughout the day will, will probably help quite a bit. You know, if you look at baseball tournaments in the summer. Yeah, just trying that. to replenish all that uh, sweat for yeah, sure. Absolutely. You see all the sweat-stained hats and jerseys, so you can Which, see the salt. In theory, is a good sign, meaning that they've got all that in their body right. as it's coming out so yep. while it does it not isn't necessarily attractive it is not necessarily a bad thing right when it comes to that yeah but otherwise you know drinking that i used to see that a lot when i was in school if that was like the healthier drink at lunch yeah you know, have a gatorade it's mm -hmm. like that's got just as much if not more sugar than some of the pops or right. lemonades or whatever right. is coming out of that drink dispenser so they're yep. They're intended for a specific reason. Right. That's kind of a, a fuel and electrolyte replenishment source if you need it at the time. Otherwise, you don't really need them. Makes a lot of sense. Anything else that you want to hit specifically with youth nutrition? I think one that it's just a general one is if an injury does occur, that's not the time to shut down your nutrition. You know, like, yes, you may have to dial back a little because obviously you're not as active, but it's not like that youth metabolism is going to just go away, mm -hmm. uh, especially as they're growing. But you can't just, like, slash everything in half because your body still needs, to a high level, all that nutrition to heal. Yep. Um, it can't just be like, oh, well, I'm hurt. I should stop 
you know, putting good things in, like, no, you got to continue with that because that can be a big part of the process of getting back. Yeah, absolutely. If you look at tissue injury itself, that actually will increase metabolic activity quite a bit. So honestly, I wouldn't even make a lot of changes okay. uh, other than maybe dropping total quantity down a little yeah. bit because you're not practicing three right. hours a day, but you are still going to have advanced needs to help with that injury recovery process. So that's a good point. And then I, I would just say the other thing is just trying to be consistent. You know, everyone's going to have a bad day. Everyone's going to... Mm -hmm not be prepared and you you have to hit the concession stand again that's fine occasionally just try to be as consistent as possible because one bad day is one thing but if you go a whole season four years in a row of eating like garbage yeah, adds it, up. it's going to add up and it's really going to take its toll eventually and we looked at that just you know less one day probably not going to hurt you less for a week Still not necessarily the most terrible thing, but you accumulate that over the course of a whole entire summer and school year, like that's going to take a toll on your body. You may not necessarily always physically see the changes, and some people you do, but just your body's ability to recover. Yeah. You, you know, a hundred calorie deficit for 365 days is mm -hmm. quite a bit when it really comes down to it. Yeah, we see, you know, see the same thing on the training side. You don't become overtrained yep. in a day or in a week. It's throughout the season or multiple years of yep. really, really high intense training that slowly just kind of break your body down. Same thing with the nutrition side of it. So we've added the question, so I'm going to throw it to you. This can all be seemingly complicated, the nutrition side. So there's, we're just looking at all the textbooks that are in here about nutrition and the two that I have sitting in front of me. How would you take that in this case and make it as simple as possible, kind of as the take-home message? Yeah, with nutrition, people love to argue all day long about plant-based, meat-based diets, paleo, non-paleo, keto, keto regular, macros. A lot of different diet yeah. strategies out there. You can get sucked into the numbers and try to hit all these different calorie and nutrient recommendations right on the spot but again that'll get real complicated real quick so i think kind of going back to some of the stuff i said earlier of eating a good breakfast eating frequently throughout the day stay hydrated and at each meal or each snack try to find a food or a few different food options that have a good source of protein good source of fat good source of carbohydrates just pick one on each category and you should be doing all right follow those recommendations throughout the day Last one, any good books slash resources that you might have people check out if they're wanting to dig in a little bit more? Um, yeah, so online ones, the Gatorade Sports Science Institute has some nice just kind of resources for, for athletes and stuff like that to follow. Same thing with the NCAA Sports Science Institute. They have some good okay. um, kind of easy to understand materials for nutrition and and even some basic training recommendations. In, in terms of books, Nancy Clark is a pretty famous sport dietitian. She has a nice kind of guidebook on eating for athletes. Uh, so I think any of those options would, would be good to look into. Awesome. Appreciate well, it. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. More to come.
Thank you for checking out this episode of Clinically Press. Go to clinicallypress.com for full show notes and links to everything that was covered in this episode. While you're there, you have access to all of our episodes, insights, and shorts. You can find Clinically Press on YouTube and any, any other podcast outlet. If you could give us a rating, thumbs up, or review on how we are doing, we would greatly appreciate it. To get more free content delivered to your inbox, sign up for Total Athletic Therapy Newsletter. You'll get direct links to all Clinically Pressed episodes, reviews on some of the latest research in health and performance, and links to related podcasts and other items meant to help you make the complicated, simple, and optimized performance. Thank you for listening, and see you next episode.